welcome to another Prof Magazine podcast with me, Jerry Ewing, and I'm joined as ever, it seems these days, by Russell Fairbrother, Hello our there. Editor, and Joe Kendall, our review editor. Hello. Hello. <laughs> so, um, since we last graced your eardrums, there's been a brand new issue of Prog that's uh, landed on your doormats or newsagent shelves or... Arrived by Owl. Or, yeah, by Owl or, um, or through the ether to, um, to your iPad or... The interwebs. Yes. Um, with Mr. David Gilmore on the front cover. Um, a bit of a coup for us because uh, I think it's the first time... Well, we spoke... We've, no, we've spoken to him once or twice, but not, we don't get often great access to to the great Floyd luminaries, but we did this time. How did this happen then? Um, yes, uh, well, this was a lot, of, a lot of skullduggery with the PR. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, and, um, but, yeah, well, we, I think we pulled together a great interview because Mr. Gilmore, of course, is selling all of his, not all of his guitars, but 120 of a very impressive collection of guitars. How many guitars has he got? Well, you kind of wonder that, don't you? 120? Yeah. But he's, um, he's getting rid of the black strat. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's getting rid of, and he's getting rid of, uh, of, of zero zero That's zero one. You know, and uh, well, in, in in the cover story, he actually talks. He talks obviously about the uh, the black strat. Uh, um, he talks about. I think you'll find that's an amazing headline there as well. It is, yes. Strat's life. That was Joe Kendall <laughs> who came up with that, yeah. by the way. Yeah. Um, and the uh, 1954 white Fender Strat um, with the uh, catalogue number zero 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 one, um, and uh, the Martin acoustics. They're the ones that he primarily talks about. Things that he'd recorded a huge chunk of of classic Pink Floyd uh, material with. But, um, I mean, you've got, to, you've got to give a nod to Gilmore for doing this, this for charity. I mean, back in, um, back in the, was it 90s or was it the early 2000s, that uh, he, um, he had a house in, uh, uh, in sort of Little Venice area of London, which he, he sold and gave the proceeds to uh, the homeless charity crisis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, um, and it's, it's interesting to read um, because Matt Everett that did the interview he's kind of like how can, how can you bear to let them go he's kind of asking he asks Gilmore you know is it not like you know letting go of a child and, and, and Gilmore's very sort of matter of fact and sort of he's like they're, they're tools of my trade and that's it mm. so yeah he a, says I have I guess I have a different form of romanticism yeah that's it tools of the trade so, he doesn't even name them well that's that's one of my favourite bits is um <laughs> Is when, when Matt yeah. Everett actually goes, do they have names? He's just like, pardon. <laughs> <laughs> what? Who would so, do that? Fool. Well, many, many yeah. people did. But, um, and also, I looked at the um, the guide price for Christie's for some of these guitars when I got the the pictures through. And I think the black strap or it's the white 0001 Fender guide price 100000 to $150,000. I'm actually going so, to the previewing. Of, oh. of the um, of the sale. When is that? Uh, it's next month sometime. Mm, um, I'd like to. I'd like to try pop in if they've got an exhibition. Will they have a sign up saying "No Stairway to Heaven"? So people <laughs> no pick them up. Well, uh, when when the PR emailed me, he did actually say, oh, "I'm sorry, I can't give you a plus one, nor can I allow you to have a go on the black strat." <laughs> but I was like, "Look, I'll, I'll, I want to go." Um, I thought it's quite an interesting interview because he seems very relaxed. I think Gilmore um, in the interview. Um, and it's an interesting look at how uh, an artist who's achieved what he's achieved 
um, now looks back and kind of and kind of views things. Um, uh, yeah, uh, he is quite a laid back character, to be honest, isn't he? Yes, although although equally forceful in with his own point of view um, in terms of you know he, uh, I believe stubborn is the word mm. um, that may may have been used that that uh, you know if, if he's got a position he will quite resolutely stick to it and so you could kind of see where perhaps any friction that you know no, sprang well, it, up with him it amazes me that Pink Floyd lasted so long basically with him and Waters. Yeah, you know, I suppose. Both stubborn as each other all those and, years. Well, and then uh, equally to back up the, the brand new interview, Daryl Eastley did a, a quite a good uh, look at, at Gilmore's solo career, um, which may have only amounted to thus far four um, studio albums, uh, but he's actually done a lot more besides. Mm. Well, one so. of the times we got to talk to him, which was quite early on in Prague, was when he collaborated with The Orb. Yes. Yes. He was more um, than happy to chat about that, wasn't Which is he? one of my... I really, really like that album, Metallic Spheres, mm. which must have come out about 2010, mm-hmm. probably. So, um, but... Uh, and, and, Russ, where'd you get the picture? Because that is a classic David Gilmore photo. Yeah, it's from cover. an old photographer called Barry Wenzel, who, if you go to his um, website, barrywenzel.com, there were brilliant photographs of Yes back in 1971, Floyd. So it was one of those pictures we, we've seen over the years... And we were waiting for a cover to put it on, basically. Too good to um, put inside the to magazine, I felt. Yeah. So. Not, when we've got a good story, let's have that on the cover. Now, so. now perhaps of most interest um, to, to Floyd fans, uh, but equally Gilmore fans, is the news that he is considering more work um, as a solo artist. And although he actually says in here um, that he wouldn't consider doing another Pink Floyd album or tour, um, since Prog has come out, the official word has come out of the Gilmore camp that Floyd is actually on hiatus. Now, what that means, I have no idea. But, you know, because mm-hmm. obviously the, the first thing, you know, um, the fans, the diehards want to know, please let there be. Obviously, I mean, it's, it's, it, to think of a new Pink Floyd album, you'd think that is highly unlikely. Um, but that's what they hanker for. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like if you, could, if you mentioned Genesis, which thanks to one of the reader's questions, we, we, will, be, we will be doing it in a bit. Um, but you mentioned Genesis, it's just like, please can the Gabriel era line, you know, get back together again. Mm. And, you know, regardless of, if you think of the reality, what it might be like or might not be like, you know, goes out the window, it's just, please do it. Mm. So deploy, while you know, people are still alive. Yeah. There's always hope. So, but, um, so, he does talk about, um, you know, as far as he's going to probably get to work once all this is out of the way. He says it's a four-year process from starting to write and record um, through the whole promotional thing and then taking it out the road. For a new album is an entire four-year thing. And well, I he guess, probably has trouble deciding which guitar to use first. Well, he won't have that. He's narrowed it down considerably, hasn't yeah. he? Some of, these, some of the guitars that are up for grabs we will have seen at the Pink Floyd exhibition as well. Yes. Yeah, and I, I remember standing by the black strap for quite a while actually. And actually, um, uh, quite a bit of the drum kits on since and so on and so forth. But yeah, the um, the Nick Mason wave kit. Yeah. yeah. And the gong. Yeah. So, uh, elsewhere in the issue, Trevor Horn. Um, that's uh, he's the prog interview, talking about his entire career. Some really interesting stuff about his early days with big bands, how he, how he got into music. Um, and then he's talking, I mean, his love of Genesis and Yes really shines through. 
Um, and I, I happen to know um, that uh, because his partner is a friend of mine, uh, and she told me after she'd read the interview, she goes, oh, I'm glad he, he mentioned those Genesis songs because when we were at home, those are the ones we're always belting out, you know, when we're doing, we've got that on in the background. And, mm. you know, which I, again, I mean, that's, that's not, you know. You, you know. Oh, I wonder if he wanted to get his hands on some Genesis stuff. Well, he did. He did, um, he did the, uh, when they got back together for the box sets, he, and they redid Carpet Crawlers. Yeah, but actually work with the band. Well, I don't know. I mean, you know, the problem is a lot of that stuff's come out. And it's like, you know, I get the feeling they're perhaps not like ELP, where every four years or so the back catalogue kind of comes out again. Mm. Um, I know, interesting. On, you know, and Hawk Lords, because you like that album, don't you? I did, yeah. And I, I did. really, I've got yeah, to really be honest, my ear. I listen to it and I'm like, you know what, I'm really, really digging mm, this. Yeah, got, I mean, it's up and down for them, isn't it, really? As it is. It is. The, as it is with some of the, the Hawkwind extended family, shall we But say. at a point where I I didn't feel like very connected to the most recent Hawkwind stuff. Mm. Uh, this is Hawkwind. Yeah. Um, I listen to this and go, oh, this, this has really got the vibe of yeah. the Hawkwind thing that I like. So... Um, on the new front, The Mute Gods, which is a great new album. Um, I think really, really like uh, Atheists and Believers. Yeah, and it's got a lot of cheekiness, as it should do. Well, it's, it's serious, but cheeky. it's got cheeky. Nick Beggs. Never. Never. Surely some mistake. Um, what I like here as well is you've got the um, extensive Polish prog feature. Yes, which actually we've sat on for about a year. <laughs> Apart, uh, Apolo- apologies to uh, Julian. The bands are still going, aren't they? Well, Julian Marsali. He went, that went out to, to do that for us. Um, I did, you know, it was like, we got it, and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to use it. And then just just circumstances dictated, it kept on going back and back and back until I hit a point where I'm like, I have to put this in. I just have to, I can't. Um, and he kind of did a quick update of, of everything and then, then handed it in. But really interesting, because I um, there's a playlist um, with that feature, with links, um, that I, I honestly any of the readers that, that have read that go and listen to the material I listen to it and it's absolutely fantastic mm. and it's it's quite diverse um, but really really interesting in music and it's good to know that there's this kind of like new underground scene because obviously when it comes to Poland everyone talks about Riverside Lunatic Soul Asada Vida that kind of thing um, and then leaves it they don't really you know I don't are they aware really, of it's really dug for gold here hasn't yes. it so, yeah um, and on the basis of this a friend of mine last week um, got very excited and she said oh, oh I know a lot about Serbian prog so ah. she's going to pitch you Serbian prog so um, what else have we got in the issue uh, Sela Darling yeah which are the uh, former members of Elivetta I don't know how you pronounce that. Elevita, yes. Elevita, right, okay. And tomorrow... Mm. We've, we, got, we've got a cellar darling yeah. afternoon and evening. We are, we're down at the YouTube space in London yeah. with a, a kind of a panel discussing um, women in progressive women music. Women in progressive music, absolutely. It's um, and then they're playing a, a live a live set. Yeah, that's going to be online at some point. Um, but yeah, it's the prog panel. So. And I'm hosting it. You are indeed. Yeah. And who's on it? Um, we've got Anna from Cellar Darling. We've got Jackie McShee. Ooh. Ooh. We've got um, PR extraordinaire to the prog star, Sharon Chevin. Right. Um, I said, right. Uh, we've got um, Mariana Semkina from, oh, my, okay. I, yeah, from yep. I'm the Morning. Um, Christina Booth. All right. From Genta. Heather Finley. 
Lovely. Oh, that's a pretty good... And Catherine Jackson, who we've spoken about, uh, was it in the last podcast or the one before? From Radar Festival. Ah, oh, right, okay. Young, up-and-coming... Yeah, I mean... I, promoter. We, uh, Russ and I, actually, earlier on, we were discussing Radar Festival. Now we, we thought, you know, it's, it's a great thing. You know, this this young... You know, it's, it's taking progressive music um, and what's happening at that level... And, and, and throwing it out to, to try and draw in that that younger crowd who yeah. obviously sort of, sort of get off on 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 the more cutting edge uh, sort of math rock post rocky sort of thing. Yeah, so I'm not sure if um, many of these women actually know each other yet, but we will do after. Christina and Heather will know each other. They will, yeah. Um, so, oh, that's fantastic. Well, we're coming down. Yeah, should be good. Should be good because they're going to do at Cellar Darling going to play live afterwards, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. So. And that also will be online at some point. But yeah, Nuclear Blast helped us put that together. So yeah, looking forward to it. They've only given us an hour though. An hour? So, yeah, we can chat. I think we'll fill that. <laughs> so Well, yes. In fact, well, what, what the readers don't know is as we were coming in to record this podcast, I was like, and I don't want another podcast rambling on for 50 minutes. Yeah, we're watching <laughs> the like clock. I'd like to tear yes, it back. Yes, but boss. But talking about... Um, well, that that will lead us on into the next bit, but we get, I think we should just move to readers' questions okay. um, now, um, because otherwise we get embroiled in ooh, what we might be doing. So, some interesting questions have, have cropped up. Um, uh, we put the call out on social media today. David Smith on the Prog Readers um, Facebook group has said, "Are we worried for the future of Prog?" Now he's put a capital P there, so we're assuming he means the magazine. Mm. Following the demise of the CRS and the closing down of venues for smaller prog groups. When he says CRS, he means Classic Rock Society. Classic it? Rock Society, yes. Mm. Um, so, uh, I suppose if I take this one on first, and then we, um, no, we're not David. Um, only because we know the the how well the magazine is doing, and uh, we can gauge that against part previous performance and and in fact every issue that we've put out this year has sold more than the previous one so um, even if that small increments is still you know um, an upward trend an upward trend um, however I mean what I would like I'd like to uh, say you know I think it's incredibly sad that the CRS mm-hmm. yeah. um, have have called it a day because they they did a terrific terrific job um, and um you know, I can't, I can't uh, applaud them enough, uh, really. I would say, whilst it might be easy to link Prog Magazine and, and the CRS in terms of ideals, I don't want to belittle what they did in any way, but we're a slightly bigger organisation and we've got a sort of stronger commercial footing. We've got a machine behind us as well. Oh yeah, and of course we have future publishing. And yeah. part of the problem the CRS had it was just them. Yeah. And apparently, they did really, really um, brilliantly. from what I can glean, it eventually became the 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 uh, manpower and financial burden just on the guys that were running it just became too much mm. without sort of support. What you also have to bear in mind because Bo Hansen um, pointed out on the readers group after David make that that. Um, point Mm. said that there is already a spiritual successor to the crs spirit rocks which is uh i've had a quick look it's a website you go it's uh https uh colon forward slash forward slash is that right i think so okay spirit.rocks now that says okay quick look it says keeping prog alive in south yorkshire 
uh, great, but that's South Yorkshire, mm-hmm. yeah. where yeah, Prog, whilst it's a UK magazine, um, kind of takes a bit more of an international viewpoint uh, on that. Um, so, yeah, like I said, I'm not worried about the future of Prog magazine, um, but I do think it's incredibly sad. Um, that that, that Sarah's because they they really did get all the gigs the awards ceremonies that they used to do I mean it's worth noting because obviously I mean I launched uh, Classic Rock Magazine 21 years ago now Um, and I do remember some interesting discussions with um, oh god what was the guy's name Martin um, a guy called Martin that ran it back then uh, the, the, the Classic Rock Society um, you know, and there was uh, there was some debate as to you know if we were trading on their toes and, and, and all that sort of thing which um, wasn't the intention back then and I you know clearly for, for 20 years the, 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 the Classic Rock Society and Classic Rock Magazine uh, seemed to be able to exist um, side by side by side um, I mean more interesting I think is the closing down of venues of smaller prog groups um, I think uh, when you say about closing down of venues, I think we're kind of looking at in general rather than for prog. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, you know, if a smaller venue goes, chances are it'll be used for both prog bands and everybody. Yeah, and that, that's that's that's, a that's that's a sad dichotomy that, that is affecting um, the live music scene as a whole. I think rather than sort of centering around prog, but obviously it has as much of an effect on prog as it possibly does heavy metal or you know other for other forms of music. The closing down of small venues is is concerning mm. um, in general. I would have said. But there's some interesting developments, and in fact, I haven't had a chance to read it because it only came out I think yesterday. But the uh, House of Commons have done a live report, a live music report. And they've gone into how they can take stuff from the top shelf, which is all our megastars and the um, people that make a lot of money out of that, and feed that through to the bottom. And they say a little bit like you get help in sports, right? You know, so mm. you know you're, t- you're taking something and you're investing in the in the grassroots. I do see there's things similar to recently. There's been some uh, venues that have had to close down because developers come in, and then the people who yeah. are living there go, "Well, we don't want to live well, next this, to this, a venue." This, 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 However, yeah. there's been a couple where they've been able to get some um, uh, get an agreement in place before the developers start to say, "We are staying here," and the developers and the council agree. Yes, a venue will stay. Well, here. hasn't there been a slight change in the law where they can no longer build? properties and oust a long-standing venue i think they've changed that recently there's something that i know that australia used to have it um whereby you know you can't just sort of turn up build build some flats along along alongside an established venue and then close the venue down because people complain which of course is inherently wrong but has been happening probably down to unscrupulous developers and potentially unscrupulous people within the council and then you know, we'll give it to developers. But, but I mean, and and obviously it's it's been too late to save some venues. But I think we and you, what I you just said. Ca- I think there's cases for others to stay open. Yeah, when I they're, think when I, they're successful on there of kind of cultural benefit and so on. So there are there's there's lights at the end of several tunnels. Um, I just wanted to talk about um, Classic Rock Society and also just to, to chip in and say it's really sad that it's come to an end and they did loads of good work, brilliant, absolutely mm-hmm. brilliant, but. 
as you say, Jerry, they're local and, and you know we're global. Yeah, um, but, and that's why Spirit Rocks will be great for South Yorkshire and to keep that scene um, going. I think that's going to be absolutely I think, brilliant. I think on Facebook now, a lot of local prog fans club together and it's up to them to try and keep their venues There's busy with fans. Yeah. I mean, we're only aware of um, Chris Parker's London prog group thing where he Chris lets Parkings. us know... Chris yeah. Parkins. Who is in this issue. Yeah. He's in, so he lets us know about the London gigs, but there, there's, there are places around there that mm. in South Yorkshire where they keep our oh, gigging in this area. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You, the interest you, alive to keep the venues uh, going. Yeah, I mean, you only have to look at, um, obviously you've got like the Bilston, you've got Leamington, um, you know, uh, long-standing favourite venues with the prop crowd. There's, mm. uh, is it 1865 in uh, Southampton? Uh, it's one of those years which 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 kind of took over from uh, Talking Heads, Talking Heads, which has yeah. closed. Has Talking closed, Heads closed, closed but the eighteen sixty five seems to have mm-hmm. yeah, sort of usurped it for I that area. Got, I think it's quite a strong uh, live scene down there, actually. But certainly, well, we certainly carry enough enough reviews uh, from down there. Yeah, for sure. Um, and of course, a lot of it comes down to support. Mm-hmm. You've got to go out and see uh, you know, these if, if you know, I mean, obviously. What people say and what they do are two different things. So there's always good intent, but if you actually don't get off your ass and go and see a live band, you are potentially putting venues in more trouble. Mm. It's as simple as that. Yep. So okay, now we could ramble on about that one <laughs> for a long time. So let's move on to the next. Um, Elijah Mahanson, also in the Prog Readers Group, says. Um, as time moves on and we're further away from the groups of the late 60s and 70s, what modern groups do you see carrying on progressive style without strictly imitating features of the past? Mm-hmm. Well, this is again, we could go on for hours about this. Um, well, I mean, we are going to talk about it a bit later on, but I mean, I'd immediately point to the three bands that I went to see on Saturday night um, at Islington, uh, sold out Islington Assembly Hall the last night of a sold out tour mm. in the UK for Haken, Vola and Bent Knee. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I mean, you know, there's always going to be an element of, I guess, with newer and younger bands where you're going to go, well, that bit actually is purely from, you know, because there is an influence there. Equally, you know, we know that there are, because I, I looked on social media after that Haken gig and, you know, as you expect, there are certain, uh, progressive fans who don't see that as what they consider to be progressive and were dismissing it as heavy metal. Um, but, you know, I think ignoring all of, of what people perceive, I think the important thing here is a sold out UK tour, mm. right? You know, Haken, I mean, um, literally probably two years ago, I was seeing them in the garage and now they're selling out Islington Assembly Hall. So, I mean, increments might not be as, uh, you know, uh, box office shattering, but it's still going in the right direction. Mm, it and is. it's not just them. I mean, that's just a little example that I'm, I've just sort of snatched. I mean, we, we're going to go and see Orc tonight, aren't we, Russ? That's right, yeah. At the borderline. Uh, well, when you consider it, um, they've got um, oh, the, King Crimson drumming. yeah. Well, yeah, I remember the last time I saw him, I was horrified that we went to see him at the Underworld and it was like less than half less full. Than half when you think you've got Pat Mastelotto from King Crimson, you've got Colin Edwin who's been in, in you know, um, in Porcupine Tree and that can't inspire. Obviously, we're aware that there is a section of the prog audience that don't like going to the Underworld. So maybe the borderline, 
Also, you know, the new Orc album is absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I think. definitely. Um, best one they've done so far. Um, but so, so there's another example. I mean, we could sit here, I think, and largely go on for hours about um, new bands who, who, you know, um, don't dwell on a specific sonic sound that emulates the past. And I, I, th- I think with a, a lot, a lot of the more modern prog. Um, you know, I am the morning, seller darling. These are people that clearly have an influence, but are really pushing it on into new directions. I know that draws the argument from some people that they don't consider that to be progressive. But you know, you ask the question. You, you, mm. get it, you it depends get on if you think is progressive the sound I like of sixties and seventies prog, or the progressive yeah feel. The progressive sound, you know, the progressive musicianship, pushing ideas forward. What, you know, what, what I is mean, the progressive? For, for, for example, if we have a look at, obviously, in every issue of Prog, we we have um, we have four new bands in the limelight section. So this issue, uh, we've got Astronoid, who um, are Americans who are sort of heavy and blending sort of psych music and, and prog, but in quite a melodic, in a in, in a melodic enough fashion that you think they're not going to alienate. Uh, people that want to listen to neo style prog. Mm-hmm. Um, then you got uh, Kior, who is a, a French chap um, who did an album off his own back, which is, has really impressed a lot of people. And that's perhaps more in the um, sort of melodic symphonic prog prog vein, um, but with his own sort of slightly modern slant on it. Um, Wheel, who are uh, Anglo-Finnish, um, very inspired by Tool on this sort of heavier but still melodic. So they're bringing a slightly different aspect, maybe a bit too heavy for it's some quite people. Rocky, but, yeah. But it's again, but a band. I mean, almost every, universally got the thumbs up from people yeah. on prog, and I know the Metal Hammer, um, the Metal Hammer team, they 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 really like it as well. And then you got Hats Off, Gentlemen, It's Adequate, who um, you know bring a sort of bit quirk more, bit more trad then yeah. slightly trad but with a quirkier a quirkier edge to it now I would say most of those bands those four um, are pushing things into new areas mm, and there's something for everybody yeah so um, I think Elijah the thing is that there are many many bands out there um, that that are not remaining sonically rooted in, in the classic prog sound Part of the problem, I guess, is is how the readers or the, the fans out there perceive, mm. you know. I mean, we were talking, I'm going off to Prognosis Festival um, in Eindhoven on Thursday, you know, and that's quite a contemporary, you know, Haken and Tesseract uh, headline. You've got Leprous, you've got De- Devin Townsend, but you've got Soen, The Gathering, um, Joe Quayle, Wheeler playing, Cog from Australia, who I'm particularly looking forward to seeing. Um, no golden, golden caves, no sound. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there, there's, there's, it's, it's, you know, it's that's. I look at that and go, this is good. This is, this is young and enterprising. It's and young, but there's a lot of melody there. A lot of things for people to get into if they actually are a fan of the melodic side. It's not going to be all 
kind of blast beats and no. growling. It's, in fact, it's very little of that. And, and equally, talking about Radar Festival, which um, you're saying that they've got the, um, one of the promoters on this uh, panel that we, yes. we're doing tomorrow. I mean, that's even more sort of uh, sort of young and cutting edge. And you, yeah, it's in the, the sort in of thing in the vein of art tangent, but yes. rock and noise rock. Yeah, very, very much. And I looked at that bill. I thought, this is brilliant. This is what should be happening. And you just kind of hope that perhaps you know some of the older audience might look at that and go, oh, "I'm going to go and see what it's about," instead of going, "Not interested in any of that. Don't care." But you know what? Even if they're not there, there's a whole raft of new people who are the next wave of our of readers. Yeah. So there's there's going to be a bit where they do meet in the middle, but it is part of the same palette. It's all it's oh, all yeah. together. So yeah, which shows there's a growth in yeah. the genre for us. I think mm. you know. I think the people that have bridged it have been people like Opeth and even Motorcycle Anathema, Anathema, who've who've been the bridges. Pineapple people thief. Yeah. yeah. So these are people who've been around for the last generation, tree, you know, 20, you 20, yeah. 20, 25 years, and so they've they've come out of loving it in one way, but interpreted it that way. And then they've changed the face of it in their own music and gone into the next stage. And then people who come along like Haken or, or so on um, will say, oh yeah, um, I like those bands. I also listen to Gentle Giant. Yep. And I like these heavier bands. And they, they create a new mix. So um, yes, it's, I'd like to know actually who Elijah's listening to who, who um, qualifies in his own question. Yeah. So let us know. Yeah, let us know Elijah, please. Uh, moving on, Cesar Espinosa on Twitter says, you might be able to get an update about the incoming Pink Floyd Animals 5.1 SACD from Acoustic Sounds, unless the project was shelved. One of these days it should be announced. <laughs> um, okay, I've got a slight, I, I can't reveal my sources, but um, I, I've, I've- Sources I've, full of secrets. I've heard, e. I've heard, I've heard, I've heard, I've heard on the grapevine that there is an impasse in terms of the whole animals because it's supposed to be a box set, an immersion box set coming out. And uh, at the moment, I gather that a lack of agreement between parties means it's stalling. Um, parties within the Pink Floyd, uh, overall Pink Floyd setup. Oh, I think right. I think you can glean from what I'm saying there exactly what the problem <laughs> is without us having to expound Tear any, down the wall, any further. <laughs> uh, and, and our final, uh, final reader question um, for... This podcast comes from Mike DX7, also on Twitter. Um, he says, "Do you think the individual members of Genesis ever realised or realised just how important their music actually was?" Oh, they realise now just how important their yeah. music actually was. God, it must do. Surely, do you not think? Well, I think um, Hackett would remember because because he's and I imagine the question is talking about the prog years. Whereas I think um, Rutherford, Banks and Collins, they'll remember how important their music was when they were the, into the pop charts. Well, I don't, I, mean, they, I don't think they look back on their the five classic lineup as I think they're aware. Well, it's an interesting one. It's how they want how they want to convey that. Um, you know, if there's a, a level of humility, then they're possibly publicly not going to want to sort of stand there and go, "Yeah, I knew how bloody great I was." Um, now you might hear that from somebody who was in Emerson, Lake and Palmer, for example, <laughs> because that's just what they were that's, like. That's but, just their character. Yeah. Yeah. But I think the Genesis guys are a bit more reserved in English, so you know, you're even Hackett. I think you're you're more likely to hear from them as a public statement 
statement, that's very kind of you to say so, mm. rather than, yes, we were bloody brilliant, weren't yeah, we? Yeah, um, so publicly, they're quite polite and demure about yeah. it. Um, and you're right, I agree with you. Steve is the one who's kind of showing it. But again, he's a very polite guy. So he's just going, I know you like this stuff, therefore I'm going to play it. It's, it's, also, it's also very, very difficult, I think, as an artist, um, when you're embroiled in that whole bubble, um, to be able to differentiate between what was loved very much by the fan base and what was enormously successful. So they'll look at it and go, I mean, here's a way to describe it. I remember once speaking to Steve Lukather from, to from Toto and I was like, you don't play anything. My favorite, some of my favorite Toto albums are Isolation, Fahrenheit and the seventh one. Uh, which obviously followed on from Toto 4, which was massive, massive hit. And at that point, they weren't really playing a huge amount of material from those records live, if anything. And I remember interviewing him and asking him, and he went, well, no one bought those records. And that was how they viewed it. Yeah, of course. That was how they viewed it. Not, and I'm like, you do realise that your fan base reckon they're your best records. And he's like, well, really? Because they all bought four, but they didn't buy... So there's this sort of a good... sort of. It gives you a good indication, perhaps, of how, how the art is very, very difficult. Certainly, I mean, let's, let's, you know, if you look at Genesis, right, they've sold 160 million upwards albums, right, which is an enormous amount. You know, in, in prog terms, only Floyd, who were nudging over a quarter of a billion, you know, albums have sold more. And, you know, and that absolutely dwarfs a lot. It gives you a kind of indication of the success of, of, of you know how successful progressive music can be, mm -hmm. um, you know, because I think after them you probably come down to, to Tull, who are probably nudging the ninety million mark, you know, um, and a massive bulk of those Genesis albums are actually probably from the Collins years, which a lot of our readers would profess not to like as much as. The earlier albums, which didn't sell, mm, but those were big hits and they were global hits. And so it's it's you know it's 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 kind of difficult for an artist to sort of dissect that in 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 the way I know what Auntie Mike wants to hear is oh yeah weren't we great when we recorded everything up till Lamb Lies Down on Broadway and well it was a bit throwaway after that they're just not they're not going to say that well it's not that they won't see it that way because. You know, I mean, and also those are enormous sales, and that will have a, a huge effect on the way you perceive stuff. Yeah, does it is success measured by the sales or by the acceptance of the music? And when it goes well, and what I was the saying, if you're in the, the bubble, then it sales. It's mm. not going to be, you know, the fact that, you know, the 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 twenty thousand or so people a, a month that buy Prog magazine absolutely love everything up until the Lamb lies down on Broadway and then slowly start to tail off after that. That's just not going to have that sort, sort, sort of thing. But, I mean, then again, you, then you've got things like, you know, Peter Gabriel was more than happy to turn up at the Prog Awards and collect Prog God. Yep. You know, so... And he still so, has, he has some of that, some, yeah. of the, some of the earlier stuff in his set when he goes and, out to and, well. and that he was only, it was only sort of maybe five, you know, ten years ago now, I think, he was even considering bringing um, Suppers Ready back into his own mm. solo set. Um, you know, Tony Banks, when he picked up the, 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 the Prog God Award, um, you know, was genuinely honoured, came up and had, uh, had a, a chat with me afterwards and saying, you know, thank you so much, it's really made me feel, 
you know, and they, they know that the, the part of the reason that they're being acknowledged in that respect is for um, the less commercial stuff. Mm. So I think so with what Mike DX7 is saying here, when, he's, when he says, do you think the individual members of Genesis ever realised, no, no, probably not at the time because they're just on the journey. Yeah. Do they realise now? I think they do. Yeah. I think they do. What they do about it, what they do with that information is yeah. something else. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Whether they act on it, will there ever be a land lies down on Broadway? Or will yeah. there ever be a trick of the tail to, you know, um, if not, can we make Big Big Train do that? Because I think it'd be <laughs> very suited to that. In fact, Big Big Train, I think, connects well, on our last point as well about the readers and modern groups carrying on a progressive style without strictly imitating the features. They've got elements, yeah. but they bring it forward with, with their own their own style as well. Hmm, interesting. Okay, right, and uh, ending with how we normally begin, but we thought we'd shift things around for this podcast, um, it's uh, what's the progiest thing you've done lately? Joe Kendall. Yeah, so Saturday night in Hoxton, a hotbed of uh, iniquity, but not really. We well, were at beards, Z- yeah, at least. Beards. Well, a little, a little bit of bit beards and beers. Uh, we were at Siegfried von Underbelly to see Joe Payne. That Joe Payne. That Joe Payne. That Joe Payne. He's doing a, a, a co-headline tour with Doris Brandle. And uh, so we went down, we popped down, and we, we caught him uh, on Saturday. And um, his set is sort of made up of things that he's created himself since leaving the Enid. Plus Zio, which is the yeah. prog rock group that he's Jimmy, with. Jimmy Palagros. Yeah, Jimmy's the group. Uh, from Karnataka, Karnataka, the old Karnataka That's drama. That's right. Yeah. Um, so he's got a number from that. Amy Burke's actually got up I to heard. sing. I heard. I gather they were rocking out. Yeah, she was, and, and she was very nervous about it because she's, she admitted to us afterwards, I normally think things are a bit softer, but my God, she went for it. Absolutely. I saw a photo of her in a leather jacket, she so she's clearly probably, getting in. Yeah, properly going for it, yeah. But she, I think, I mean, obviously, um, since since she came to prominence with, with um, Beatrix Players, um, I, she's certainly looking to spread her wings somewhat, I think. Oh, definitely, definitely. She's got some solo stuff. Yeah, in, and, in, in, and the Burks and crew. Uh, yes. So, so, so she's really, yeah, there's, there's lots going on for, for Amy. So he does nothing from the Enid. He does just some Enid yes, well. yeah. so there's a... But probably only stuff that he wrote with it's, them. Yes, so there's a, there's a, it's about a 45-minute set. Oh, it's epic, absolutely epic. Also mixed with this kind of cute boy band style, because he comes on, does a little dance, and he's got... They're, they're all in white, they're all dressed in white. He's got a little hoodie, he's got a little sort of like flowery top on. And um, he's just absolutely adorable. My God, his voice is incredible. It's oh, yeah. it's cut. oh, he's a very talented, very talented man. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, he's playing um, uh, piano. And then he's got that kind of, um, what is it? It's a, like a synth clarinet yeah. as well that he's got. Um, last time I saw him was at Simon Drake's House of Magic. And he incorporated some um, uh, illusions as well, some musical illusions like levitating and disappearing. He disappeared. Um, this time there wasn't any of that. It was quite a tight stage to be on because it had Doris's band's kit, kit on as well. And oh wow! Um, but yeah, they did really, really well. Went down brilliantly. Um, attendance was okay. Um, it was a busy night. You had Roy Harper yes. playing at the Palladium. Uh, you had the uh, Solo Haken show. Yeah. Um, and you had that. You know, I mean, I know, I know. We see, uh, we see the community despairing of uh, of gig clashes, but you know, it's just going to happen, happen because. Um, Promoters do not talk to, and in fact, even if they did, they're still going to go. Well, I'm putting my gig on anyway. So. Yeah, 
So, um, yeah, it wasn't too bad. And, I mean, everyone was really up for it. So the reception, the atmosphere was brilliant, really, really brilliant. I think he can be pleased with that. Uh, and then uh, Doris played as well. And Doris, um, she, last time I saw her, she was uh, performing with a fish. Yeah, I saw her. Well, we saw her with fish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. at Islington Assembly Hall. And um, Joe Payne's going to go on to... He's on the Marine Weekend, isn't he? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So Doris said she's got connections, obviously, with um, with Marinians, Marine Weekend, so on and so forth. So it was a nice little tie-up, actually. It was really... It was a, it, there was lots of people, lots of, you know, lots of um, uh, love in the house, really. Really Good. enjoyed it. Cool. Cool. I mean, for me, I, I won't dwell too much on mine because we kind of touched on it earlier, but again, oh, oh, how impressed I was with all three bands, Haken, uh, Vola and Bentley. Bentley just went for it. Like, like I I bet mean, they did. Absolute breath of fresh air. Um, a lot heavier than I thought they'd be. Musically, I mean, they're clever. And, you know, they're, um, but bringing with it, you know, um, go back to um, what uh, Elijah was uh, talking about in the previous questions, um, bringing a very fresh sort of sound that clearly has been inspired by sort of progressive music of the past but sort of doing something new with it uh, Vola again you know, equally um, so they're Danish aren't they yes they had a, a multinational you um, did you um, did yeah bill. Danish American all, all credit to, to Haken for, for, for I mean I know they, they toured with uh, with Bentley in America as well so they, they kind of knew each other but uh, you know, giving giving that that, that, that young younger audience uh, younger ba- uh, bands uh, a shot and, you know and there was a sold out audience, audience for them and uh, I mean I did see there was one or two comments I saw some people complaining that um, there were young people at the gig and they were head banging um, you know but I don't, I don't think we need to be too fun Nazi about going to gigs mm. I mean I appreciate you know we're not going to get embroiled in the old talking at gigs people thing people were talking now. at Joe Payne it wasn't me this time right. <laughs> but I did get to, I went to a gig last week which was actually the Lindsay Cooper songbook and I did get shushed by a man <laughs> because but, I was excited about the first set but, but you know I think I think if we get to a point where we've, we've got people moaning because young people are enjoying themselves no, it's, no. that's just wrong that's ludicrous um, but I have to say uh, Haken were terrific I'm going to see them obviously again at, at Prognosis which I'm really looking forward to and we'll talk about next time we convene for a podcast but um, but yeah it, gets, it really does get the big thumbs up for me because I think that's where we really need to be pushing you know um, the whole progressive scene and, and, and really hope that, that, that you know we more and more people will engage with it mm, they will so. and meanwhile Russ you saw something that was a bit from the 60s and 70s didn't you we were all there well we were all there <laughs> Arabs in Aspic and yeah. Ring Van Mobius or? Yeah, yeah Mobius at the um, Water Rats yeah great night wasn't it yeah um, it was actually. I think. We were, I mean, it was a big prog turnout. Yeah, Monday night. A Monday, Monday night. night. And yeah. it was a weird one, though, wasn't it? Because I, I literally walked into the venue, bought a beer, sat down waiting for you guys to turn up, and got a message that Mark Hollis had died. Yes. So it added a kind of bittersweet. Yes. Sort of dash, dash to it. The other thing that's interesting tonight is that we're, I mean, obviously, I was concerned beforehand. That um, nobody was gonna, you know, ticket sales hadn't been good. It was it one was free, wasn't it? Uh, I don't know. Oh, okay. I'm not sure. It was I don't. Okay. I don't know. I don't know that it was free. Um, otherwise, it was absolutely inexplicable. Mm. That, that, uh, but there, enough people turned up that it wasn't embarrassing. The water rats probably only holds about 120. What was embarrassing, I think, is that 
you know, people didn't bother. Mm. You know, a big swathe of, of our readership who you know damn well would really like the sound of those bands, just... 60s and 70s. ELP. I mean, Ring Van Mobius to me were ELP meets Van de Graaff Generator. And, but done with such fun, mm. a sense of fun and yeah, enjoyment. Yeah. Um, that, you know, I mean, Hannah said to me, she goes, this is the approach that would bring in younger people. Mm. Um, you know, because they just, you know, it was almost a sort of a carefree joy that Ring Van Mobius exuded, oh I thought. Oh my God, yeah, absolutely. The spirit of it, it was remarkable. And we were all smiling. We were all... Yeah, yeah that's right. And also, they, they, were, they were having fun with it. They didn't mind if actually they came across as a little bit ludicrous or funny or whatever, because that's all part of it too. Spectacular facial hair going on, wasn't I'll it? I'll say, yeah, absolutely. And, and the vintage the enorm- come on. Enormous flares. Yeah, yeah exactly, yeah. F- flares from Nor... Are they Swedish? There's a Norwegian... No, Norwegian. Sweet... Yeah, They're Norwegian, Norwegian. Yeah. They're both Norwegian. Yeah. Um, it was, I thought that was a good balance though because I mean Ring Van Movies with the young and eager to please but having great fun with what they were doing Power trio. Un- unashamedly retro I mean you've got a bass player on the old wah wah you mm-hmm. know that's ELP with a bandana yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then and then uh, Arabs in Aspic um, psychedelic rock well, but with a heavy a heavy rock edge mm, very much so you know I mean the bass player in his white suit mm. and loads of percussion as well yeah Loads of percussion. And, 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 and of course, but the centrepiece for both gigs was that massive Mellotron. Oh, God, yeah. Absolutely. Beautiful. Beautiful beat. Great. I, I mean, it was a great yeah. night. Yeah. We, we, I think we all had a really, really... We did, yeah. I, I, I was sitting down the front for both bands and I had a huge smile on my face, just really enjoying... What, because they were enjoying themselves and they're playing so well and it was so good. It was just infectious. It was great. I mean, both both were on Apple on Records, which is a Norwegian label. Mm. Yeah, it was a showcase. It was it was a showcase, and this again, I feel a bit bad, and I think it's very poor. It sheds a very poor light on certainly the lump. You know, because obviously. The minute you start moaning about people not going to gigs and they start going, well, I don't want to go to London or I couldn't make it on that night or Monday night's an awful night to go to gigs. So there's plenty of reasons I understand. I still think it's a very, very poor showing from a London crowd um, that night more people... Um, it's not There's like a guy the, though who it, came from like yes. Newcastle or somewhere, didn't he? Yes, and that, that I think shames even more people. <laughs> As soon as he heard about it, he said, I'm booking my train, I'm yes. getting the tickets. And he, yeah, we were chatting with him. Yes. Yeah, very, he, a very friendly guy. He, did, he was doing... I think we had a photo taken with him. Yeah, yeah He was right. doing like a 300-mile uh, round trip or something. He, was he going back that night? No, he actually booked a, a hotel. Uh, that would have been a bit too much. But uh, yeah, he just, as soon as he saw it, he went, yeah, I'm going. So, I mean, you know, I mean, well, the thing with Rick Van Bobius, the minute we saw a photo of them, we hadn't even heard any music... Right. Sold. We were like, they have got to be good. Look <laughs> at them. They've got to be good. And they don't disappoint. No, they don't. The uh, Arabs in Aspic, um, you know, uh, I, you need to listen to it a bit more than it doesn't mm. quite convey. But there, there's a lot going on there as well musically. So, yes. they, were, they were terrific. Terrific fun. Yeah. Um, it's a good label. It is a good label. They only seem yeah. to have been around for about five minutes. I've only noticed them last sort of like two years. So. Oh, they're doing some good stuff, and then you know, there's a lot of it coming out. I mean, we mentioned you know, in the, when we were talking about the new issue of Prog, uh, the Polish Prog scene feature that we've done. We're clearly going to have to do one in Norway. Yeah, but that could be issues and issues. <laughs> yeah, we could, yeah, there's a lot yeah, of it. several volumes. Of <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Encyclopedia Norwegicus. Yeah. But no, I, it was that was a I really really enjoyed that. Let's hope that next time um, the bands come over because what you don't want is them to go well we're never bothering that again if people mm. can't be asked 
come to see us that you know more people do but I'm wondering like, if there could be another way obviously you want bodies in the rain because that's where you get the, the atmosphere and the energy from but would people because they can't get there would they chip in to see it because this is what Joe Payne was doing he was doing a Patreon live stream and people have chipped in a little bit of money you know a couple of quid or whatever in order to watch it exclusively oh, right. it's interesting I mean well obviously you know, uh, Cause there are going to be there are going to be people who couldn't make it yeah, I mean that, that Patreon thing, um, you know, aligned with what happened with Pledge. Um, Which I talk about in the next you issue. You do talk about that in, in the next issue. Um, it's kind of interesting, yeah. Um, it's an option anyway, yeah. isn't it? You know, you can't get there and you're, you're probably going to be shouting at us going, well, I can't get there because, you know, I'm on the Isle of Wight or whatever. Would you like a little pay-per-view, prog-per-view? Yeah. That's, yeah, that's my idea. Yeah. Just yeah, for a couple of minutes. A really interesting thought. Be really interested, I, I have to say, to hear what uh, what the readers think. If you, you like you're listening to the podcast, you know, um, chip in on social media and, and, and tell us your thoughts. We're mm. gonna we're gonna wrap it up there. Okay. Um, but uh, so I hope you've enjoyed listening to the thoughts of uh, Chairman Ewing and, <laughs> and the board. <laughs> <laughs> the board. Um, yeah. Well that's you too, isn't it? Hopefully they're not bored. <laughs> uh, uh, we'll be back hopefully well, there should be a new issue of Prog out by the time we do a, um, a next podcast I'll be bringing a report back from Eindhoven on Prognosis Festival I'm sure that uh, you two would have been up to uh, something equally amazing well we can talk about to all, all yeah, tonight so. or as so. Jules says why do you always talk Klingon? <laughs> yeah, well so um, thank you very much for listening thank you Russ thank you uh, thank you Joe Thanks. and uh, we'll be back with you in a week or two Ooh.